Thank you, JT, and musicians, and singers. Thank you, choir. That was just a little foretaste of tonight. Remember, 6 o'clock tonight, both programs together. The children's program, you're going to laugh, you're going to love it. And, uh, and then the, uh, the choir's program, and it, will, it is beautiful, and you'll worship and, and be in awe of who the, the Lord is. And so come, invite a friend, and come back at 6 o'clock. It's good to see everyone. I'm starting a new series today. You guessed it. It's a Christmas series. And uh, I'm calling it The Hidden Christmas. I'm calling it that because I came across a book. A book was written back in 2016, and the title was The Hidden Christmas. And the uh, thought that was given in the introduction and throughout the book was that uh, as Christmas becomes more and more commercialized, the true meaning is hidden. And so you have, to kind of, you have to look for the true meaning. You have to look for that hidden part that uh, celebrates. And uh, so with that thought in mind, I put together this series I want to share with you. Now this morning, we'll keep your Bibles open. But uh, to start with, we're going to read verse 31. Gabriel is speaking to Mary. And he says in verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Don't you love that name? Jesus. There's something glorious about it, wonderful about it. It means Jehovah saves, or the Lord is salvation. Pray with me, please. Father, bless our time together today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you look at your screen for a moment, I'll show you a picture of a man whose name is Greg, Greg Colon. And Greg t tells that when he was 15 years old, his father gave him a, a barber's clipper because he was interested in cutting hair. And uh, he says about that, in my heart, it meant the world to me. But I couldn't say anything about it. I was too angry and too bitter towards his dad. At this point in time, things were a little different than they had been prior. He says his emotions were a tornado of emotions, and he did not want to be around this man. His dad had been a, uh, addicted to drugs and alcohol for all of his life, and he was rarely around. He remembered one of the earliest memories he has is of a Christmas morning, and he was happy because his dad had, was there, and he usually wasn't. And when he came down from sleeping, he found the the plate where they had left Santa Claus, some cookies, it was full of syringes. And so that's the way he lived. When, uh, when he was nine years old, Greg went and his siblings went to live with their grandparents in the Bronx. His grandparents had nothing materially, but they, they were loving and they gave their love to these children. 
And uh, he said when he turned 12 then, he watched his grandfather die of a heart attack. He writes, the one person in my life that was a father figure, a mentor, somebody who really got me as a kid and actually cared is now gone. I was empty inside. My heart was heavy. And then it wasn't long after that, when, when he was 12 years old, he began to sell drugs. He had always been envious of kids who had things because he, he didn't have any things. You know, some kids had bicycles and new clothes and new shoes and such as that. He never had that kind of thing. He began selling drugs so he could make the money, the, the money that he uh, wanted, chasing the things that he thought would fill his emptiness. He said, and I quote, I was making money to give myself things people could not give me. By the time he was 15, he dropped out of high school and was selling drugs full time. And he was also, by this time, taking drugs and became addicted. And uh, shortly after this, his father was, got clean and wanted the kids to move back with him. And they did for a, a temporary time. And that's when those clippers were given. So you can see why Greg was too bitter and angry to be thankful for those clippers, though his dad was trying to make things better. And then Greg suffered other devastating losses. First, his mother, who died from alcoholism. And then two years after going back to live with his father, his father died from AIDS. Greg said, I felt so guilty that I didn't have a chance any longer to make things right with my dad. And then his drug business grew and he opened a barber shop as a front for his drug business. Now he had all kinds of money coming in, but he writes, he still had no love and he was still full of pain and bitterness. He said, and I'm quoting, it was all about me. It was about money and greed and indulgence. I didn't know how to live any, any other way except with some sort of substance, alcohol and drugs. He'd been in rehab several times before and he would eventually go back to his drugs and alcohol. And then one time he met a, a pastor by the name of Pastor Garrett Kale. And they struck up a conversation. And uh, Greg said he, uh, he almost immediately began to talk to him about God's love. This is the way he put it, writing about it. He opened up to the book of John right away and starts pointing me to Jesus. And it was like, you know, he said, you need to know he loves you. Greg said, I never thought anybody loved me. He began going to church, being around God's people, and then one day at a coffee shop while talking to 
Pastor Gary. Excuse me. He writes, I realized that I was loved and accepted by God. And Pastor Garrett asked him, what are you smiling about? He says, I'm smiling because I want to give my life to Christ. And right there in the coffee shop, he gave his heart to Christ and became a follower of the Lord Jesus. He would write about that. I'm a changed man. He says, I got some kind of freedom. I got peace in my heart. My life got changed. My world got flipped upside down. And Jesus did all that for me. He writes, I am a man of the Lord. I am a son of the King. Today, Greg is a barber, still a barber. But now it's not a front for drugs. It's a legitimate business and he says he loves doing it because every time someone sits down in his chair he sees an opportunity to share his story and the life-changing power of Jesus Christ you can't really get up and walk away in the middle of a haircut can you I mean you just gotta keep sitting there you know and uh, he likes to say these things the word is life the gospel is true. When you accept Jesus Christ into your life, changes just happen. And he loves the phrase, I am a son of the king. Isn't that beautiful? I want to say to you, that's the reason. Jesus came. That's the reason Jesus came from the glory of heaven to a humble stable here on earth. He came for the Gregs. He came for the Pauls and the Karens and the Dinyas and the Darrells. He came for the Harley and the Kellys, for the Chucks and for the Evelyns, for the Waynes and for the Sherrys. He came for us. He came to redeem us by His blood, to forgive us, and to give us a home in heaven. I want to say to you, this is part of what's hidden in Christmas, is the purpose of His coming. Even among many churches who sing about a babe in a manger. But the purpose of His coming is hidden that is the purpose which he stated when he said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? Now let's go back to our text and think about uh, this portion of Scripture that you and I have read many times, no doubt. You'll hear, you'll hear it again tonight uh, in bits and pieces. But let's pick it up in verse 26. And in the sixth month, now that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. The verses prior to that ex explain her pregnancy. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. 
I want you to think for a moment about this place, Nazareth. According to biblical scholars and historians, it was not a city as we think of a city, it was a village. It was a farming village up in the region of, of uh, Galilee. Jesus spent much of his ministry in that region, by the way. And the little towns that surround the Sea of Galilee, they were fishing towns or villages. But Nazareth was further away, and it was a little farming village. Maybe 500 people in that village, some people speculate, historians and so forth. Maybe as high as 1,500. But if you think about it, if you fill this whole auditorium full of people, that would be about 500 people. That would be the whole citizenship of Nazareth. That would include the old folks. It would include the, the children and the babies. It would include the Gentiles that had moved in. It was basically a Jewish village, but there were Gentiles that had moved in, and there was also a Roman garrison there. So Rome could keep an eye on things, and, and you put all these together, 500, maybe as high as 1,500. It was a small insignificant place. Somebody said the only remarkable thing about Nazareth was it was unremarkable. Others have said it was a it was a non-place place. <laughs> it had a reputation that the people were all poor and they were. They were peasants. The people were all poor and there was a lot of sinfulness because of the Romans who were there and because of uh, traffic passing through from uh, Sidon to Tyre. And, and so that's the reason Nathaniel would say in John chapter 1 when they tell him that Jesus is from Nazareth. If you remember what he said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I mean, that's what everybody thought. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And it's in this setting that Gabriel comes. Gabriel is that special angel messenger that shares big news. He shared his appearance prior to this was 500 years prior when he spoke to Daniel. Now he speaks to Mary. And it says about Mary that she is engaged... Now, engagement in those days was a lot stronger than it is today. The parents would arrange a marriage, and then there would be an announcement, and then there would be a small ceremony where they committed themselves to each other. But they could not live together or sleep together until a certain period had passed, usually at least a year, sometimes two or three years, depending how young they were, how young the the young lady was. Most people speculate that Mary would have been in her teens, maybe even young teens, but if we, if we speculate a little bit, maybe 16 to 18, something like that. And she was engaged and then to later be married. Now, the cere wedding ceremony would be have great festivities and the families would come together, they'd get all dressed up and it would be a big celebration. And again, that might occur a year or more after the engagement. So she was engaged. By the way, 
once you were engaged, you couldn't break that engagement except by death or divorce. You had to go through a legal divorce. And so this was a very binding contract between the two of them. And so we have here in these two verses, Mary, we have Gabriel, and then we have, of course, the city itself. Now notice the angel and what he says. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. The word highly favored can be translated full of grace. And one other place that exact term is used in scriptures in Ephesians. And it's there it speaks of all believers. Now, in Catholicism, they use this to teach that since she was full of grace, she is a dispenser of grace. So you could pray to her, you can trust her, and she can dispense grace. But again, the exact same phrase is used of all believers. So it doesn't mean a dispenser of grace, it means a receiver of grace. All of us have received of His grace, and Mary was the same way. She had received and was full of God's grace. And, uh, and then it says, The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Now we don't want to go too far and say that Mary is divine or that she can answer prayers or that kind of thing. But we don't want to go too far on the other extreme and just forget about her because she is blessed among all women. Think of all the women who have lived since the beginning of creation and God chose this woman out of all those women to bear His Son, the Lord Jesus. She was no doubt living in an unremarkable place, but she was a remarkable woman. And we should honor her for God's choosing of her. Well, look at verse 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled. That word troubled means distressed, confused. I mean, can you imagine an angel appearing in front of you? Now, sometimes an angel appears with such glory, people can't even look. But uh, in this case, apparently, he looked somewhat like a man or, and showed some of his glory because she was terribly afraid. She was afraid. Frightened. Now, we don't know if she was praying. Maybe she was praying. Maybe she was sleeping and he wakes her from the sleep. Or maybe she was just going about everyday chores when this angel appeared. And it frightened her, troubled her, confused her. And, um, and then the last part of that verse, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. And he shall be great. And he shall be called the son of the highest. That uh, highest comes from the Old Testament. God Almighty and the Lord God shall be, un, uh, shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Jesus sits on the throne of heaven today, but one day he's coming back, and he will establish an earthly kingdom here on earth, and he will sit on an earthly throne, um, 
in Jerusalem. And for a thousand years for that millennial kingdom. So that day's coming. But right now, he's still the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's on the throne of heaven. And I hope you could sing along with the choir that he is your king. He's the king of who you are. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Excuse me. So, he'll have the throne of his father David. David was not his direct father, of course. God the Father is his direct father. Joseph was his adoptive father. But David was his ancestor. That's what the idea of father there means, his ancestor David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And right now that kingdom's going on, and that kingdom will be on earth someday. And Mary said unto the angel... How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She must have been a pretty practical person, don't you think? Because she's thinking, how's this going to happen? Um, Joseph and I are not living together, and we're not having sexual relations together. How, how can this come about? And the angel answered, said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee, Therefore also the holy thing that shall be born unto thee shall be called the Son of God. Wow. What a moment in time this was. A humble little teenager in a humble little town. Living out a humble life. And yet she gets the most glorious visit that anybody's ever gotten from an angel. I'm glad God uses humble people, little people. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad he uses nobodies and people who fall and, and flounder around? And, but he still uses, he still uses just common everyday people like Mary in his ministry. And so Mary, uh, they say that, Holy Spirit's going to come upon her that has, that has no sexual overtones at all. This was simply a miracle uh, placed in her womb by the Holy Spirit. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is her sixth month with her, who was called barren. So here's a woman who was an, an older woman, and she had tried to have babies all of her life, and she was called barren. But all of a sudden now, she has a baby as well. And verse 37, for with God nothing shall be impossible. He's encouraging her faith, isn't he? With God, you might say, it's impossible for a virgin to have a, a baby. It's just impossible. Well, of course it is. Unless you put God in the equation, and then uh, she says this remarkable thing, verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Handmaid means a female slave. She saw herself as a slave to the Lord. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. 
Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Wow, what a scene. Now she goes to visit Elizabeth in the hill country. It's probably around or close to Jerusalem. Maybe 80 miles as far. It was a, probably a long journey. And uh, she traveled, no doubt, arranged it. Her parents arranged for her to go with, her, with somebody uh, that was traveling that way in the village. And she traveled and, and she saw Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth hears her salutation, we don't know what that salutation was, probably something like shalom, peace be unto you. And uh, when she heard that, the baby leaped in her womb. Remember, she's six months pregnant. So look, let's just pick up a couple of verses here in this last part. Look at verse 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit. Wow. That's a remarkable thing, isn't it? By the way, let me just point something out. The, the word baby that leaped in her womb is the word brethos in the Greek. In chapter 2, that exact same word is used, brethos. This time, it's used of Jesus laying in a manger. God uses the exact same word for a baby in the womb and the exact same word for a baby outside of the womb. So we know what God's attitude is about a baby in the womb, don't we? And then look at verse uh, 44. Now Elizabeth is speaking, For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded, in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Wow, a baby can even have joy in the womb. How about that? And so, she did not know that Mary was pregnant, but she somehow was illuminated by God himself uh, when Mary saluted her. And then Mary gives this great poem, this song of hers. Uh, look at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. We won't read it all because you're going to hear it in a video in just a moment. Then look down at verse 56. And Mary uh, abode with her for about three months and returned to her own house. So we can probably assume she stayed until the baby came. Remember, Elizabeth, six months pregnant, when she gets there, she stays three months. So she probably stayed until the baby came, and then she heads back uh, to her hometown. Now, I'm going to show you a video. Uh, you may remember, I know if you've been here long, you, I'm sure you remember that in 2006, a movie came out entitled The Nativity. And I thought it was absolutely beautiful. And I cut pieces out of that movie and made movie clips. And then about every four years, I would show those movie clips. I, I've shown them three, three or four times maybe uh, on, uh, during, the Easter, I mean, during the Christmas season. Well, it's been four years since I showed those, but I'm not going to show those. I, I went with another series, and it's, it's called the, uh, the Lumo uh, project and it started about 10 years ago in the heart of a woman named Hannah Leader. Hannah was a uh, movie producer 
and also a lawyer. But she was also a Christian. And she attended her local church faithfully, and she taught children. And she began to think what a good thing it would be if she could show her children, because she was a movie producer, if she could show children the life of Christ. And so uh, she looked around. She couldn't find anything except cartoon-type things. And, uh, and there was a few films out, and some of them were old, and the quality was not very good. So she, she said it was born in her heart, this desire to, uh, to produce a, a movie of the four Gospels, not, not, not interwoven, but separate. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four different movies. And uh, instead of having the actors talk, uh, the actors are just acting out what's going on. And what you hear is the Bible itself, unchanged, and just the pure Word of God in several different translations. And the one we're going to hear today is in the ESV. And uh, the reason for that was because she wanted it to be in many, many languages so you could just use the reading of the Scripture in any language you could uh, the, translate it into, have a Bible translation into. It was her goal to have all four Gospels and, uh, and the movies to be in a thousand languages. And she hit that goal in February of this year. Since that time, they've added several hundred languages. Now, there are, there are 7,000 languages in the world. Her goal now is, by 2033, to have it in uh, most all the languages, or at least 90 9% of the languages of the world. Therefore, people can hear the Word of God itself and see it acted out. She was, she was teaching children, and she was always a visual learner herself. And being a producer, she, know, she knew the power of visual learning. And uh, so she put this project together. Other people came in and helped her and so forth, but uh, she was the, uh, the one behind it all. So what you'll see now is about a five-minute clip of this portion we've just gone over. Now, it shows her at the end, it shows her smiling and kind of happy as she's heading back to Jerusalem. That's, that's kind of peculiar because what she was going back to face was ridicule. Now, no one knew she was pregnant back in Nazareth. Remember, she's been with Elizabeth for three months, but when she gets back, her parents will be ashamed and heartbroken. They'll think that she and Joseph had been sleeping together. Everybody else in the village would think that she and Joseph would been, had been sleeping together, everybody but Joseph, because Joseph knew better. So Joseph's thoughts was that she had been sleeping with somebody else. So Joseph would be heartbroken. Her parents... And uh, many people would no doubt ridicule and criticize her. She was going back facing all of that. But this scene puts her in, instead of a worried frame, it kind of shows her in a, a smiling, happy frame because even though she was facing all those difficulties, 
God had chosen her for this great task. And um, so with that said, as I like to say, it may have looked something like this. Let's show the video. Imagine this going out in all the languages of the world. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name.
and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. In that song of Mary, there is 15 Old Testament references in that short little song, letting us know that Mary knew the Old Testament. Most historians would tell us that the uh, women who lived in Nazareth would not be able to read or write. If that's the case, these would be verses that her father had taught her or that she had heard in the synagogue and committed to memory. So Jesus grew up in a home where they loved the Word of God. And, uh, and she sang this song of praise. Be sure you've experienced this purpose of Christmas, this hidden portion that we don't usually hear about or talk about, and that is that Jesus came to redeem us, to forgive us, to wash away our sins. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do that before it's too late. Call on Christ as your Lord and Savior. Bow with me, please, would you? And uh, if you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me pray for you and let the church pray for you. Uh, no one will come to you or anything like that. I just want to pray for you. If you've never received Christ as Lord and Savior, would you uh, slip your hand up right now? And by that, you're saying, Preacher, pray for me. Anyone? I'm looking around the room. Anyone? I wonder how many would say like our song said he's my king he's the king of who I am of all that I am can you say that you remember when Mary got the message you remember her final words be it unto me behold your your servant be it unto me according to your word she was surrendered to the will of God and to the person of God be sure, let's be sure, all of us, that we are surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. Father, thank you for our time together. Speak to our hearts. We thank you for this example of Mary. Teach us to be people of the Word and to be yielded to your plan and purpose for our lives. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Stand with us.